0: Welcome back to Chicks On Site Podcast, where we talk about all things new construction, our success, our stress, and all the hot mess. Today, I want to talk about the shift in the market and the five tips I believe that all on-site agents either need to start doing or get back to doing right away. Prior to the pandemic, most really good salespeople followed certain practices. They would stand when somebody walked in or actually they would see somebody pull in and they'd be standing before the um, prospects walk through the door and they would be re- greeted warmly. Prior to pandemic, you could shake your hand. Um, and you had a sales presentation that you followed. You engaged in conversation to find out, you know, their situation and their needs. You followed up in 24 hours. You did realtor events and presentations. And you had realtors over for lunches at the model and all that good stuff. Money was spent on marketing the model and the grounds were impeccable. You pulled weeds if you saw a weed in a flower bed on your way into the model Trash was always picked up. I mean, most salespeople educated themselves on financing programs, anything new in the market, really good practices. And then the pandemic came and the housing boom was off and running. And yeah, some stuff changed, some stuff changed. I have um, gotten lots of complaints from realtors and people that were out looking to buy houses about some on-site agents because people didn't stand up. Your greeting was, hey, nice to see you. You know, look around, let me know if you have any questions. I mean, I think if you've been listening to my podcast, I've told you about when I went out shopping with a friend of mine and people eating their lunch they didn't get up. They didn't put their food away. Very pleasant in most cases. But, you know, you're on your own. No materials were given. If you ask for any, you were told, check out the website. You know, that's, I mean, sometimes people were downright rude. You have a hard time getting people to call you back. If you have questions, there's no real follow-up. Heck, when we went looking, nobody even asked to register my friend. So obviously there's no follow-up. They don't know who she was. Um, You know, all those lovely things. If a buyer had a complaint about something, people would be told, it is what it is. You don't like it. We'll just give you back your money and sell it to somebody else. Lord, I hate that. That is a pet peeve of mine. Um, You know, there's no continued sales training. A lot of builders stopped you know, paying to have the continuous sales training, sales meetings, it kind of went away. As my friend told me when I asked him how many houses he had sold, this was a few months ago, and he said, what do you mean sold? I don't sell houses. I just take orders. So that's kind of how it was. I mean, I really honestly feel sorry for people that are new in the business that have only been in for two or three years because They don't know what it's like when people just don't fall over and beg you to let them buy a house and you have to actually, you know, work for those sales. So if there's any newbies out there, it really is not as bad as it sounds. It can be done and you take a lot more pride in selling when you're actually selling, um, I mean it was hard for me too. Last month was the first month that I released three houses and they didn't all sell that weekend. So that kind of made me take a step back and say, well, I knew nothing lasts forever. Whether it's good or bad, nothing lasts forever. It's just this kind of turned faster than what even I had initially, you know, thought that it would. So now what? Well, we can't put our heads in the sand. And it's really not as bad as what the media makes it sound like. So we have to regroup. We've got to get back to the basics. So here's my five tips for getting back to the sales mentality and being successful. First, be action-oriented. Clean up your office. Get organized again. When you see somebody pulling that parking lot, stand up and be at that door to greet them. If you don't want to shake hands because of covid totally understand, but they need to be greeted warmly with a smile, welcoming them into your model. Another one of my pet peeves, don't say, can I help you or what brings you in today? I mean, come on, duh. What do you think brings them in? They're looking for a new car? No, they're looking for a house. So a more engaging question would be, what has you in the market for a new home? What's got you out looking for new homes today? That's very open-ended. They're going to give you more information, and then you can take it from there. Dust off whatever sales presentation your builder likes you to use. If it's Structured Selling or Jeff Shores 4.2 or um, Jason Forrest Warrior Selling, Myers Barnes, whatever it is, dust it off and get back... Um, to practicing it and using it because you're going to need to make a connection because it used to be if people were between two builders and they had very similar product and similar locations and so forth it came down to that salesperson who made them feel like they really cared and that they were the expert in their field so think about that number two follow-up the dreaded follow-up Lord knows I have been guilty of not liking the follow-up. But it must be done with every single person that you come in contact with. Any online leads, you need to engage with them. If there's a phone number, I would use it because you're going to get further. And they may not answer, but if you left a message and they heard your beautiful voice, then they may call you back. Also texting, particularly if you're selling to millennials or younger texting is a wonderful thing. People seem to, um, be less intimidated with that and they will respond. Emails sometimes can go into the junk drawer or people just don't get around to reading them, but definitely, definitely at least follow up once, you know, however your follow-up system's done the first day, the first seven days, and then, you know, 14 days and 30 days and so forth. Um, when people call you or text you or email you, please respond within 24 hours. That's just professionalism. Even on your day off, it takes, what, a few seconds to a minute to respond to someone and just let them know. Even if it's, hey, I'm on vacation or I'm on my day off. Can I get back to you tomorrow? At least they know you saw it and you thought enough to get back with them. If you're on vacation, put an autoresponder on you know, on your email so people know or on your voicemail. Um, Number three is get engaged again with your prospects. So I think during this last year and a half, especially people on site don't necessarily have to get engaged. Heck, you probably sold houses to many people that you never met or met when they came in to write the contract. So Things are changing a little bit, the market's shifting. We don't have as many buyers for each house. So we want to get engaged. And when I ran a sales team, I I have so many of my wonderful agents, I'd say, so do you have top prospects? They'd say yes, they'd tell me about them. And then when I ask more questions, they would know would not know the answer. So You know, if I ask you about your top prospects and I ask you why they were in the market, would you know, like detail-wise? If they said that they were being transferred, would you know where they're being transferred from? What company? Do they have a house to sell? Is their spouse happy? or their family happy about the move? Because I can tell you, spouses can kill deals. It's just simple as that. If they don't want to move they can make it very difficult. So you really need to know that so that you can cater to them. If a woman says that her husband is not happy about coming because he loves where they're at because of golf or because of the legs or whatever, then figure out a plan and engage that husband in hope. Oh, we have four golf courses that are beautiful within so many miles. Things like that. You want to know more about your prospects. Are they ready, willing, and able? Because maybe they're ready. They just want to get out and maybe they are willing, but maybe they have to wait until the house sells or until the promotion goes through or so forth. So get to know them. This is a big one. And agents hate to ask for some reason, where else have they looked? Did they like what they saw? And if they did, what was it they liked? And what stopped them from buying in that particular neighborhood or from that builder? Then you can take that information and use it to your benefit. If they loved that that plan was the master down, and but they just didn't have a nice yard. Well, you show them a master down plan that has a great yard. Or maybe they liked everything about the house, but they just didn't like the the commute just seemed a little bit, um, too far or for the kid's school or for their church or whatever in your location better. You got to know, don't be afraid to ask that. And then finally, are they financing or are they cash? And if they're cash, fantastic. But do they have that home to sell? You need to know that because maybe they're getting the cash out of that home and they, maybe they don't have the 5% or 10% deposit that your builder requires at least not right now. So you want to be able to address that and have kind of a a backup plan there. My experience has been most agents just don't dig deep enough. And in the last two years, haven't had to dig deep. I mean, heck, I know a lot of times in the last two years, I had to remind myself to ask people, you know, where they work or what they do for a a living. Something just so basic because I didn't didn't really have to, right? Because they were going to buy anyway. Number four, grab your preferred lender and go to lunch and ask a lot of questions. I know tons of on-site agents who don't feel like financing or the lending programs are their responsibility that, you know, they'll just pass them off to the preferred lender. And I get it. You're not a mortgage person. However, financing can be a selling tool. And with interest rates going up and people afraid about the freaking ridiculous inflation and you know the economy is kind of you know when those interest rates went over six but then they came back down they came back down because the you know the economic numbers came out bad and so that was holding it a little bit but we don't want a bad economy but anyway don't get me started on the whole that thing that's a whole different podcast but anyway you need to know financing options different programs what what interest rates are doing. My favorite phrase right now is marry the house. You got to have a place to live. Find the house you love. Date the rate and divorce the rent. You're paying 100% interest on rent. So date the rate until something better comes along. And then you can always refi. You got to have some place to live. So you got to figure out a program that's going to get them in. So maybe arms are making a comeback now that rates are going up. Maybe they're only going to be there for three to five years. So maybe a five-year or seven-year arm is good for them. A 2-1 buy-down has been big. And a lot of the nationals are are paying either to buy a rate down on homes that can close this year or the 2-1 buy-down. 2-1 buy-down is pretty expensive. But I've sold two houses in the last day and a half straight up because of that two-one buy-down. The builders helping to pay for it and the preferred lenders paying the rest of it. Fantastic because they can start their rate 2% lower. So if today's rate is five and a half, the first year their interest rate is only three and a half and the second year it's four and a half and then it locks at what they would have locked at on a 30-year fix today. So that has just saved them thousands of dollars over the first two years of that loan. Maybe by the time they hit the three-year mark Interest rates are lower, they can refi. Maybe they're higher. Well, they're still locked at that 5.5%. So it gives people an opportunity to make more money. You know, each year you should theoretically be getting a raise. Um, maybe they get married, there's second income, you know, whatever. It's just a really good program. You might want to know about um, programs for first-time buyers. Things like that. Things you didn't have to know because most people were doing conventional loans or straight up VA or FHA loans. Interest rates were super low. It was all good. This gives you a kind of leg up over other agents who don't know anything about financing and just pass the buyer off to the lender. I mean, you're not a mortgage lender. You can't be quoting them specific rates, but you can be talking about programs to kind of ease their fear that they can't afford this house now. Because let's remember, millennials, who is a huge buying group, they've never seen interest rates over four and a quarter. And that was for a short period of time. So this is a big shock to people's systems. Plus, the more you know, the more you are perceived as an expert in your field. And you seem to care. Because a lot of people brush people off when they don't feel like that they can buy. But if you take the time to talk to them, find out their situation, give them advice, you know, give them people to talk to, lenders to talk to, explain there are programs out there, you know, you'll have to talk to the lender specifically about your situation and your credit score and your down payment. Even if you can't help them, in the end, you figure out this neighborhood's not going to work, so forth. They are going to be so appreciative. And they're going to talk so highly of you. And they're going to refer anybody who tells them that they're looking in that area, in that price point. You're going to get referrals. Because you cared. And sometimes that's all that it takes. And then lastly, CMAs. Now, prior to the summer of 2020, I, I never even had to worry about it. Because we were always, whenever you opened a new neighborhood, you kind of got onto a um, CMA chain because every builder, you know, uses them and they're great tools so that you can understand what your competition's doing. You know, it's all in the same area. Um, if they're in your price point, you know, those emails, the first of every month will come out and you'd fill them out. How many houses did you sell? How many respects, how many were pre-sales, What? is your average lot premium what do you pay realtors what incentives have you given if any did you raise or lower base prices what's your best-selling plan all those things every month you get them and you share with everybody which gives you an idea if you are you know tracking at the right pace if you are kicking everybody's butt. if that's the case then maybe you can raise your prices if you, everybody's higher than you, maybe you can raise your prices. If you're too high and you're not selling, maybe you need to adjust them. Or at the very least, you need to really dig deep and figure out why your houses are more expensive, what makes them better, what makes them more expensive, so that you can start selling to that so people understand. You know, 2,500 square feet is not all created equal. Some are built better than others. Or have different things than others. So you want to check out those your competition. And I don't think people have had to do that in the last year and a half to two years. So you want to visit your competition. Maybe meet those on-site agents. Great networking, right? And really figure out what your unique selling proposition is in comparison to your competition, so I don't have tons of competition, but I do have one. I love Beyonce agent, talk to her every month. But I went over to visit the neighborhood because she is significantly less expensive than me. And she has two car garage versus one. And she has 300 to 400 square feet bigger than mine. So, you know, I got to figure it out. And we're not very far apart. So I went over. And I sat there and sat there and sat there and thought there's something different about these houses. Couldn't put my finger on it. But I waited until it came to me and I realized they have no driveways, which I have not seen since I lived in Washington, D.C. But all I could think of was, my gosh, these are alley load garages. And yet if two people came home from two different houses at the same time, how could they both turn in? And that's when it dawned on me, there are no driveways. So that gave me a good selling tool. When someone brought up that neighborhood that they were looking there, I'd say, well, how do you feel about not having a driveway? And, you know, a lot of people didn't realize they didn't have driveways because you're, you're programmed to think you're going to have a driveway. And and then, you know, there were some things about the floor plan that maybe I felt like mine was was better. Um, you know, everybody has different tastes, but I could then sell it against you know, that competition, but if I had never went over there, I would have just assumed there were driveways. I wouldn't have known. So it's really important to go visit your competition. Even if you have to go on your days off, just do it. Um, if you want to create an email chain with your competitors and nobody has a CMA form, shoot me an email at chicksonsite at gmail.com. And I will be happy to send you one so that you can get that started. So there's my five tips. You want to be action-oriented. You want to do your follow-up. You want to get engaged with your prospects and get in the habit of asking a lot of questions. Grab a lender, figure out your financing programs, and do your CMAs. Get back into those habits. I think it's going to be important. And in future podcasts, we'll talk about sales presentations and different, you know, points of each one. Um, But I think that if we all get back into the habits that we had prior to the pandemic, we will continue to sell. There are many more buyers than there, you know, is new construction homes in the United States. So don't be scared, particularly you newbies. It is perfectly perfect. It's going to all be great. So as always, thank you for listening Click on the subscribe button so you'll never miss an episode. Let me know your thoughts or your ideas. If you want to be on the show, you want to sponsor the show, just shoot me an email at chicksonsight at gmail.com and I will absolutely respond. I also have a new construction agent Facebook page. Feel free to uh, ask to join so that you can engage with your peers across the country and get news about our uh, our industry. So with all that, until next time, happy selling, everyone.